On your Tuesday episode of Locked on Raptors, Raptors Media Day is in the past, but you have plenty of questions about all that went down in Toronto yesterday. We will dig into those questions and contemplate the future of the front office, among other things, on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it, so I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, October the 3rd, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons, going on 10 seasons now. I guess I can just say it's the 10th season. We're past media day. The season has begun, baby. Either way, I've been doing that on various platforms. You can follow all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. Please hit the big red subscribe button over there. Or maybe it's black now. I think they changed the color of the button. Uh, either way, subscribe, whatever the button is colored, and be part of our growing YouTube community. Uh, and also, be sure to join our Discord community. The link is in the description of the podcast, as always. Would love to see you in there. And for an episode like today's, there's never a better time to go hop on in the Discord because it's a mailbag show. We got mailbag questions out the wazoo, and I take the mailbag questions only from the mailbag questions server in our Discord chat. So please come hang out. Would love to see you in there. And as I've said before, uh, I'm only going to be like posting about games in the Discord for the most part. I think this season there'll be some odd stuff here on Twitter and whatnot. But uh, for the most part, I think I'm just going to hang out with the Discord folks during games this year. So if you want my unbridled thoughts in games, the Discord will be the place to be. Would love to see you join our little family that's growing over there uh all right on today's show we have lots of listener questions to get to media day happened and a lot of stuff came out and so that has prompted a whole lot of questions from you the people out there we're going to dive into those questions today we have questions about like basketball stuff like fun lineup combinations and stuff like that however the big crux today i think is concern about the front office and the general state of affairs with the Toronto Raptors. As we talked about yesterday with Vivek, you know, there was plenty of optimism to go around. I think a lot of Darko Ryakovich related stuff was pretty encouraging, both his own press conference and what other people and players had to say about Darko. I'm very excited about the Darko experience. I think, you know, lots of optimism about Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr., even Jakob Pertl. But of course, the big sort of elephant in the room is the Pascal Siakam, Masai Ujiri, awkwardness regarding the lack of extension talks and what exactly the plan is here the sort of reverse engineering of we'll figure out if Pascal fits on this team based on how he fits in with his new coach as opposed to the way most normal teams do things would do things which is hire coaches to sort of fit around the best player's strengths and that's not to say that Darko Ryakovich can't do that you know obviously I think Darko's going to be a very good coach he's got a lot of great offensive ideas and all that but uh you know Usually, you kind of start with the star player and figure things out from there. But of course, as was very much revealed yesterday, there seems to be not a whole lot of certainty about whether or not Pascal Siakam is going to be part of the long-term 
future of this team, you know, again, an extension could come at any time. We don't know what's going on in the backroom conversations, but you certainly didn't get the impression yesterday that Pascal Siakam and the Toronto Raptors are on the same page right now. Um, you know, maybe they're in the same book, but they're not on the same page at the moment. And uh, I think, you know, there's lots to be figured out between now and the start of the season, obviously in season. I think the extension could be offered at any time, uh, but we'll have to see. It's going to be an ongoing thing. That leads to the first of our mailbag questions today, and that is from Ben Chapman, our chief spiraler in the Discord. We love Ben. I say that with the utmost of, uh, of love and appreciation for all Ben does for the Discord community. But the question is, have the Raptors just kind of lost the ability to function as a normal franchise? So much of the stuff they've done recently has been wacky, big brain stuff culminating in them being like the only franchise playing hardball on offering their best player an extension. He also points to Samson Folks, I think very fair and very good line of questioning yesterday about how it's just not normal for players of Pascal's caliber to be not exactly prioritized by the team and not given extensions when they're available to be given. He's an all-NBA player. It's weird, and it seems as though that's not the approach Masai Ujiri is taking. Yeah, I think... Look, there's no doubt a lot of the stuff the Raptors have done in recent years has run counter to sort of conventional team-building wisdom. And look, I'm not exactly someone who's like, everyone's got to build teams the same way. I am pretty staunchly opposed to a lot of the stuff that is pretty mainstream in you know basketball thinking these days. You know, I think tanking, for one, stinks. I think, yeah, the upsides of tanking can be that you land title-shifting type players, but more often than not... You get stuck in the mud, you spin your wheels hoping for draft lottery luck for many, many years, and you're more likely to end up either kind of back where you started as sort of a middling team or stuck in the lottery forever, a la the Sacramento Kings for 17 years or the Orlando Magic or the Minnesota Timberwolves. A lot of these teams that have just kind of never been very good, a lot of them just kind of keep on hoping they get lottery luck and just don't get it because it's no guarantee and, and putting your hope in something that's completely out of your control to me feels like maybe not the best way to go about building a team let alone like putting out a garbage product for people to consume for six months of the year every year i think tanking is bad you know a lot of people would disagree with that that's fine whatever um, you know, I also think, you know, the idea of like you have to trade players who are expiring at the deadline lest they walk for nothing is a little bit overblown. Like, I think there is something to the idea of the value of bird rights, of the value of sign-in trades, of the value of keeping your own guys. That said, the Raptors fancy themselves as a team that is ahead of the curve, is a bit of a different outside-the-box thinking organization. And when you do that... You put yourself in the position where when you're outside the box or sort of against the grain strategies don't pay off, you are sitting there looking like morons. <laughs> and uh, that's not to say everything the Raptors have done of late makes them look like morons, but there's a lot of stuff that just hasn't quite worked and it's been sort of against the grain type of stuff. You think of the Jakob Pertle trade, making a deal to kind of push all in for a playoff push for a team that was very clearly not a contender or anything like that last season. I think the justification of, hey, this team actually has some talent. It'd be nice if we could give it a real shot of actually competing. You know, that I think was a nice admission by the front office, but maybe like five months too late, I think everyone could have seen the lack of a center was going
going to be an issue if you've you know watched basketball for the last 75 years and the Raptors once again tried to run counter and say you know what we're going to not prioritize center play right now we're going to prioritize length and wing you know versatility switchability etc cetera, etc cetera. get as many big dudes who can kind of handle the ball as possible on this team and hope that makes it into good basketball like you know vision six foot nine is exactly what Ben's talking about here as sort of a, a non-normal franchise type of thing to do and again like some of that sometimes these things pay off like, you know I think Nick Nurse for example is a really good example that was an against the grain hire that was an outside the box sort of all right this guy's never coached in the NBA let's throw him in here oh also let's go trade for Kawhi Leonard and give him to this rookie coach and that worked out beautifully like things can work when they're not sort of conventional wisdom but when they don't it feels like a total mess and I think that's kind of where the Raptors are right now and when it specifically comes to Pascal Siakam like I tend to agree with the you know I think Samson's talked about this on his show and written about it I think a lot of people are kind of going off about this like it does not make sense to kind of have Pascal Siakam in limbo like this he's a two-time all-nba player whether or not you think he is an amazing player worth the max or not he's the type of player who's going to get a max from some team no matter what and as it stands right now the raptors options with pascal are either extend him or trade him for like 50 cents on the dollar at the deadline or let him walk for nothing extending him if even if you want to trade him down the line extending him increases his trade value makes him a player that other teams can look at and say hey we don't got to worry about that guy's contract if you're trading him a year or two years down the line he's actually got term that people can bank on especially nowadays in the nba where the second apron is going to come in next season uh it's going to be difficult for teams to you know, just kind of build their teams. I feel like there's going to be value to star level players on cost, you know, cost fixed contracts that people know, hey, that's what this guy's going to cost. I mean, we have him for a few years. Let's get him in the door and see what we can do. I think there's going to be value for guys like that. And so Pascal not getting extended, the downsides of not extending him to me are so substantial, you know, getting nothing of close to his requisite value at the deadline if you feel forced to move him, having him walk for nothing, that's just not going to fly. Like, you can't have that happen with a two-time All-NBA player, and it doesn't make sense to me right now that he has not been offered the four-year, $192 million extension, which, as Samson has kind of noted uh, as well, just to kind of source Samson because he's doing the good groundwork on this, like, he's reported that, like, that's something that Pascal's camp was in on and said, yeah, let's do that. That's not been offered. And obviously from yesterday, that's not been offered. And yeah, this is a very bizarre way of going about treating your best player. And so back to the point of Ben's question. Yeah, I do think part of this is they seem to kind of have a, an idea of being a little bit ahead of the curve of a lot of teams. And they're maybe just not. And a lot of these decisions of, you know, trying to go against the grain, of trying to think outside the box, while I kind of agree with in on some level, you know, I, I think every one of their moves has been at least in some way defensible. But big picture, when you kind of miss on this many things that go against the sort of traditional ways of building a basketball team, you open yourself up to a whole lot of criticism and you open yourself up to a whole lot of questioning of your worthiness to do the job when things don't go right. And that is going to lead us into our next question coming up on the other side. Uh, we got a question about like, you know, is it time to start looking at a change in the front office? And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to like get on here and start like advocating for people to be fired. That's not really a thing I like to do, but we will get into that question and examine the sort of idea that maybe just a fresh set of, set of eyes 
could be a good thing for this Raptors team with some big decisions on the horizon very soon. We will get to that in just one second. But first, got to tell you about our good friends over at Ibotta. It's football season, so that means pizza, wings, maybe even some buffalo chicken dip, whatever you prefer at your tailgate. Go all out and get cash back on every purchase with Ibotta. This is the thing. You're going to go buy this stuff anyway, so why not get money back for the stuff that you're going to, st- to the store to purchase regardless of what you're doing? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make your- sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta er- user earns 100 bucks per year. That's incredible. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing that that game you're dying to go to or that fancy dinner you've been craving you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with ibotta including lowe's macy's sephora best buy and more download the download the ibotta app and use the code lock to start earning real cash back just go to app the app store or google play store and download the free ibotta app and use the code locked l-o-c-k-e-d that's ibotta i-b-o-t-t-a in the google play or app store use the code locked all right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show and supporting. If you want to go listen to yesterday's show, digging into the media day stuff with Vivek Jacob, you can go and do that. I thought it was a pretty good episode overall. And uh, we'll have plenty more fallout and you know training camp news and notes and all that stuff throughout the rest of this week. Hoping to get our pal Samson folk as well on to talk about the defense of your Toronto Raptors sometime this week too. Because that's a thing... That, you know, I'm very bullish on. I I think the defense is going to rock on this team. And I think that's going to be the thing I like hang my hat on as my take going into the year. But with that, let's get to the next set of questions here from the listeners. Got a couple questions about Masai Ujiri in the front office and uh, sort of on two separate sides of the coin, I guess. This one comes from Stago in the Discord, of course. Read the point yet that a fresh set of eyes, aka not Masai, in the front office would benefit the franchise. Completely unknown versus Masai. Who do you have confidence in to steer the difficult decisions in the next year, i.e. Pascal Trade's last extension, OG decision, Scotty's extension, and on down the line? It's a great question, right? And I think, you know, people's philosophies probably vary on this. I tend to think giving front offices room to, you know, make decisions, recover from decisions if they're not good decisions and kind of make amends for mistakes is usually a pretty good way to go. I think constant turnover in front offices is never a good thing. Like I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, man. Like my entire life has been spent finding that next dude who's going to turn the Leafs into a real team and it never works out. Uh, You know, they've actually had a pretty long run of decent success, you know, not playoff success, but winning games a lot and whatnot under Brandon Shanahan for the last 10 years. And Hey, I think it's nice to have someone just kind of in there for the long haul. And look, this is a way more difficult question with Masai Ujiri than I think it would be with most other sort of figurehead leaders in franchises, because Masai Ujiri represents a lot more than just a basketball exec, right? Like, We know that Masai has cachet and sort of influence, and he is just like a very prominent figure in the world of basketball. And to have him running your franchise kind of gives you an instant level of cachet, of credibility, of recognizability, all that stuff, of relevance that I think the Raptors value and I think should be valid. And I think the stuff Masai Ujiri does kind of believe in, the stuff Masai Ujiri has championed, I like all that stuff. Like, I think you want to have Masai involved in the Raptors. You know, where it gets down to the decision-making level with Bobby Webster, 
I, I frankly don't know where the decision-making line sort of it gets blurred between Masai and Bobby to me and like who's making all of the critical decisions on all these things that are going down with the team like it's not an easy thing to sort of sift through and and make declarative judgments I know we love declarative judgments as we'll get into with the next question but I think it's harder with Masai in particular than it is with most sort of head head office execs you know I think I still, I think, trust Masai and the sort of plan going forward with him more than I would some sort of unknown. You know, I, I think right now, do I trust MLSE to go hire the right person right now at this point? I'm not sure I do. I, I, I think there may be some things going on at sort of the upper tier level with all these like sort of with these conglomerates, right? We, we've seen... I think, you know, what happened yesterday with the Raptors not having anything posted on their socials? Like, something's weird in, like, MLSZ offices. I really do think something's going strange there. And, like, do they just go cheap? Do they try to find an affordable, non-Masayu Jiri-level expensive guy to bring in to run the show? Like, that's where I get a little bit queasy. You know, as much as Masayu Jiri and Bobby Webster and Teresa Resch and the rest of the front office feel as though they've made some mistakes in recent years... I still would sort of, it's like a devil you know versus devil you don't type thing. And it's not like they're the devil. They have done plenty of very good things as well. And I truthfully am probably never going to come on here and just like call for people to get fired, right? Like, you know, by the end of Nick Nurse's tenure, I think we could see the writing on the wall and the arguments in favor of it were very understandable. I just, I'm not ever comfortable just being like, fire this person because there's so much that we don't know. So much we don't see, so much we just don't have a handle on. You know, I think even... You look at Bobby Webster's interview yesterday, I think on Sportsnet, that got kind of circulated around talking about the offer they had on the table for Dame and how it was maybe the biggest offer they've put forth for a player ever. Maybe that's spin. Maybe that's PR. Maybe that's trying to make themselves look good for not getting Dame. But I do think it speaks to, we make a lot of assumptions, but we don't actually know what's going on in these conversations. We see the reports that, oh, Masai Ujiri doesn't like making trades or whatever. And like, you know what? I... It's not a game where you have to make the most trades and therefore you win. Like, this is not how it works. I know the Raptors do not make a lot of transactions. They're bottom in the league in transactions the last three years or whatever the stat is. But, like, that does not mean that you're any less likely or more likely to be successful. That's just, like, a number um, that I, I don't think is an indicative sort of predictor of success. The teams with the most trades do not win the most games. That's just not how it works. And so I, I, I do have a hard time with it. I, I completely understand the grow the patience growing thin no doubt about it like it's growing thin for me a little bit too like this Pascal Siakam thing is kind of the thing that's putting me over the edge a little bit where it's like what are we doing here like what are you doing this for if you can't just simply give the money to the two-time all-nba player who's been a core pillar of your franchise for seven years has been representative of all the stuff you've done well as a team and is really good at basketball and in theory can fit with your ascendant star in Scotty Barnes if the proper team is assembled around him, around them. Like, why are you not just giving him the extension? It is pretty baffling to me. And, you know, all the stuff about, like, selfishness and whatnot yesterday. Like, look, I don't think Masai was directing the selfishness comment directly at Pascal the way it's maybe been portrayed. That said, he did say all that in response to a question that was very specifically about Pascal. So, like... Pick your words better, man. Like, it's media day. You're supposed to have the words, right? It's kind of the thing. Either way, I'm getting off track. When it comes to 
is it time for a fresh set of eyes? I don't begrudge anyone who thinks that's the case. I have a hard time envisioning like how you go and improve upon Masayu Jiri as your lead decision maker uh, as much as the last couple of years have not gone very well. I, I still think having someone who's willing to kind of go against the grain and think outside the box, I can't think of any other synonyms for those phrases, I'm sorry, um, but someone who's willing to kind of buck conventional wisdom, I think that's a good thing to have in a decision-making group. I think that's positive. I don't think you should try to go build your team the way every other team is building it. And, you know, sometimes it's not going to work out. You know, we're one or two moves or things happening away from feeling very differently here, right? Like if Scotty Barnes comes out this year and is awesome, like, do we feel the same way about the way the front office is, is kind of moving? Like, do we think, okay, maybe this makes more sense. Scotty, ascendant star, he gets his big rookie max. He's going to be the guy. Pascal slots in very nicely as a number two, worth his money. You pay OG, you figure out the rest later. Like, that could happen. That's on the table as like a thing that can happen this year, without a doubt. And it doesn't take a lot for the sort of public opinion to go and shift. And this kind of brings me to the next question from Duncan, who asks, with front office decisions and direction being in question, do you think that in today's modern media, with instant information and gratification culture, that we are too quick to judge and jump to conclusions on them? And is this the patience Messiah preaches? Is that something that sports culture just doesn't have in it anymore? Um, you know, to the patience thing, I kind of touched on that. I do think patience is one of the more underrated things in front offices. Maybe it's being sort of tested to the extreme by this Raptors front office with how patient and kick the can down the roadie they've been of late. Um, but I generally think patience is a good thing. I don't think you should be overreacting to stuff. And I don't think you should just be forcing trades for the sake of making trades. Like, Trades don't just, shouldn't just happen because it's been a while since you made a trade. Trades should happen because they make sense for your team at that time. And maybe there have been trades that have made sense for the Raptors that haven't happened. I, I don't know if I feel like I've seen reporting of an offer out there so good that it was like, how do they not take that? Um, you know, a lot of the, the stuff at the deadline last year, kind of fake first round picks and non first round picks for Fred Van Vliet and, you know, brand Boston Jr. and stuff like that. Like, you know, do I begrudge the Raptors for not taking those deals? Not really. Um, again, all these decisions kind of add up and it's left them with this sort of very difficult situation to wriggle out of. But when it comes to Duncan's question here, yeah, we are probably too quick to judge, right? Like this stuff takes like years to play out. That's that's why patience is important, because a thing that looks dumb in one moment might look genius three years later, and there's just no way to tell. I think, just in general, you know, with Media Day stuff, too, I feel like we kind of... This is my thing with Media Day. I know we've kind of talked about it a lot, and the Pascal and, and Masai stuff was, like, legitimately weird and, and sort of strange and off. That said... How many years have we come in and been like, all right, media day, they said stuff, it doesn't matter. Because it is, like I said yesterday, platitudes day. That's really what it's all about is platitudes and just starting the season off and, you know, everyone's happy and go lucky and all this stuff. Like, usually don't take stuff on media day all that seriously. Why are we taking it seriously this time around just because the tone of it was less optimistic? Like, maybe we are reading too much into it. I think we often read too much into, like, out-of-context quotes and whatnot. Like, you don't have to get into... The, the quote tweet graphic stuff like <laughs> that kind of pervades NBA media. But I, I do think there is sort of a balance to be found. That said, like, I think the Raptors are at this point where there are such decisions, like decisions that are so clearly weird and bizarre and sort of hard to justify and sort of squint and see the vision that I do think there is a fair amount of judgment to be passed down. And I do think like the Pascal thing in particular is one of those things, right? Like, Pascal should have a contract right now to me. I, and I don't see why, what the argument could possibly be for that not being. Like, 
even if let's just play it out like you know like acknowledge that the whole thing about yeah okay we got to see how he plays within the system with darko and that the selfishness goes away like you're really thinking like pascal siakam just like because there's a new coach is going to forget how to be awesome at basketball no like he's going to play very well he's excellent and they talked about it yesterday the the ball tends to find the best players he is the best player on the team he's going to be great I, I have no doubt about that why are we waiting to hang on and see that like how revolutionary is Darko Ryakovich's offense that Pascal Siakam might not be the same guy without fitting into it? it just doesn't make sense to me and so there are things to criticize what I'm saying is uh this is a cop-out answer in that yes we judge things too quickly but also there's stuff to fairly criticize and that is the down the middle reasonability that you can come to Lockdown Raptors know you're going to get each and every day baby uh we'll come back on the other side, get to a few rapid-fire questions to round this thing out and, uh, you know, keep on stewing on what's going on in media. We'll do that in just a second. But first, just a reminder, you can check out Locked On Blue Jays, hosted by this guy and our pal Mike Stefano from Locked On Leafs as we are just jumping in for a little pop-up podcast, doing the show while the Jays are in the playoffs. Of course, Game 1, you might be listening to this as Game 1 is going on. and recording about an hour before Game 1 kicks off. So, very excited there, but you can check out Lockdown Blue Jays every single day to get your latest on the Jays as they push their way through the playoffs and hopefully beat the dastardly Minnesota Twins. All right, let's uh, round this out. Your uh, last segment of the day, we got three questions left on the board. We're going to run through them pretty quickly here. This one comes from Ben Chapman once again. Does it kind of feel like selfishness is just a kind of nebulous term that Messiah is trumpeted to paper over the actual tangible issues with the roster and overall franchise direction? It's a very good question. Yeah, the selfishness thing is weird. We know the team last year was ugly to watch. It was nasty. Um, was there sniping between Fred Van Vliet and Scotty Barnes? Sounds like it, sure. Um, you know, is all the selfishness the fault of the older players? No, it's not. Like, what are we talking about here? There, there was very clearly selfishness or self-interest or, uh, you know, a lack of buy into the team concept from every corner of the roster last season. Let's not get that mixed up. Like Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Nick Nurse, everybody has a part to play in what went wrong last season. It's not, oh, poor Scotty. Everyone was being mean to him. And that, like, no, that's not how this worked, how this happened. I think Scotty Barnes came in and figured, hey, one rookie of the year. It's my team now, baby. And the two guys who were all-stars and champions said, well, now nah, hold on. Can you play for more than eight-minute stretches in fourth quarters every other night? Oh, no? Okay, so this is our team still. And I think it was all a very pretty normal human nature level uh, sort of bit of strife within the locker room and all that. The on-court style of play, that was like, selfishness by design almost it felt like where it's just like all right everyone iso and just like pick your time to iso and hunt a mismatch and all this stuff like i don't know how much you put that on any individual individual in, yeah. i don't know how you put that on any individual player and uh, there's more than you put it on like nick nurse for saying hey roll it out there and just go do some isos and that's going to be our offense for the day like i think nick nurse carries a lot of burden for that i think as far as, like, the Pascal passing it a double teams thing. Oh, he's shooting too much when he's double teamed. Dude averaged, like, six assists a game and continually is one of the best players at navigating double teams in all of basketball. I've never once seen Pascal Siakam play selfishly. I think it's ridiculous to suggest that. Um, you know, he's played, I think, maybe a little bit for himself by necessity because the team around him the last few years has not been always great. You know, you think about the Tampa season where that team had 
negative shooting to speak of around him and a lot of injuries and a lot of in and out of the lineup. And there were plenty of times where Pascal was having to do the whole damn thing himself. And I think we saw that a little bit last season at times too. It's just a weird team, not very well functioning, not very well fitting. And I think the coaching situation really kind of let it all unspool and become a giant mess. The selfishness, sure, maybe there was some element of that, but I generally think that last year's issues were like, it wasn't just selfishness. There were a million different things that kind of compiled to into one season from hell. And I think this year, you know, if you're playing for one another, if you're playing a system that everyone's enjoying and having fun, like that that seems to be pretty promising to me. And maybe the selfishness just kind of goes away. I do think it is kind of a nebulous term. And I think it, you know, kind of has like such a negative connotation to it that it's not very productive. So not really how I'd sort of classify what went wrong last year. I think it was just kind of like bad all over uh, as opposed to just like a couple of guys being selfish, but that's me. We'll go to the next question here from Eric Morris asking, can you rank the following in order of most needed changes for the Raptors? Shooting, guard depth, front office communication, current uniform situation, or vibes in general? I think the vibes in general I'll rank last here just because I feel like if the other things happen, then the vibes in general will go up kind of anyway. So I'm going to just kind of cheat and put that there in fifth. Um, I, I think, I mean, guard depth would be lovely. It'd be great to have multiple players on this team who could dribble, pass, and shoot all at the same time. What a wonderful concept in the NBA in 2023 to have that. Uh, it'd be nice to have more of those. I think that's probably, actually, that's probably number two. I feel like the front office communication right now might be number one, right? Like, I think... Uh, I'm talking about the Blue Jays a lot over on Lockdown Blue Jays right now. I think like their biggest issue, the front office for the Jays, is that they like really suck at talking to the media and like laying out their plans and not sounding like robotic weirdos. And I, I don't think Masai Ujiri has ever been accused of sounding like a robotic weirdo, but I do wonder if maybe just like a little bit more openness with what the plan is, a little bit more openness just with the players on the team and a little more back and forth dialogue. Again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe Masai and Pascal are talking every day, right? Like could, could totally be the case. doesn't seem like it, but you know, who's, who knows? But I think, uh, yeah, like just the general sort of front office decision-making, direction laying, all that stuff is probably number one. Uh, shooting, probably number three after guard depth. The uniform situation is a great question, though, because, like, does everyone just feel happier if the uniforms don't suck? Because I think the uniforms suck. I think they have for a few years now. Um, you know, that probably doesn't have all that much of a tangible impact on vibes. I actually think players care so little about what the jerseys look like. Uh, we probably think they care a lot more than we do. Uh, I wish they cared more. I, I wish the players on the Raptors would openly not wear their garbage uniforms right now, but hey, it's just me, whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go number one front office, number two guard depth, number three shooting, because I actually think there's like maybe some upside shooting-wise this year. Jalen McDaniels, Grady Dick, uh, maybe Pascal kind of not playing 38 minutes a game helps his three-point stroke. I think there's some potential to kind of tap into there. Otto Porter Jr., who was walking around yesterday, love to see it. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll just have the vibes last because all the things will portend better vibes, I think, if those are improved. And our last question here comes from Jeff Exelon asking, what kind of wacky potential lineups do you want to see when Yak's not on the floor if Christian Coloco can't play for a while? Uh, I've been thinking about a lot of this uh, like since yesterday when the Coloco news came down, thinking a lot about this. Those are the words I'm looking for. Uh, I think for me, anything with Scotty at the five, like, let's go. That's all I want to see, Scotty at the five or Scotty at the point with Pascal at the five, and you can run some fun pick and roll actions there, pick and pop stuff. Um, I, I think, yeah, like Scotty at the five, that's where he's been at his best as a as an NBA player so far. 
the best parts of last season were the stretches where he was operating on the short roll, making use of his incredible vision from the middle of the floor, his ability to chew up space, score over really good rim protectors. Like there's a lot to to like from Scotty Barnes in that area of the floor. I think his floater game, his touch around the rim, all that stuff, like that can be put on display when he's playing from there. Excuse me, playing from there. And so I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Scotty as a screener, as a roller. And I do think I was pretty encouraged. I talked about this yesterday, but was encouraged by Darko Ryakovich not coming out and saying, Scotty's the point guard. He has the ball all the time. Everything flows through him. I think there's a lot more room for interpretation on the roles of these guys than maybe we thought. And I think we're going to see plenty of different utilizations of Scotty Barnes. And Darko talking about how unique Scotty is and how he can do a lot of different things. Like that was music to my ears. Very, very encouraging. And Scotty at the five sounds great to me. And so, like, give me a lineup where Pascal's your nominal point guard. You have Scotty at the five. And then just load up on shooting. Throw out OG. Throw out Gary Trent Jr. Throw out Grady Dick. Maybe you take out Gary and throw in Otto Porter Jr. for a little extra defense, on, uh, you know, for, in addition to the shooting. Um, like, just load it up with shooting. That sounds like a great time to me. I guess other sort of smaller versions you could go even or, or sort of you take pascal out maybe you have scotty as your point guard grady Otto porter gary trent jr and then you know chris boucher precious achua as your five maybe you can kind of get away with that um maybe even og as your five like give me og at the five he's pretty fun there too um yeah i, I think you know it sucks not to have coloco the development hit that he's going to take from this is probably not to be looked over like missing this much time in your second your really your first full off season after getting drafted um you know it's not, you don't want to see that like that that can set a guy back for sure but um i think the silver lining is some pretty fun creative lineups with a very versatile roster the raptors have in terms of where different guys can play and i think the fact that they're going to go deep in their rotation bodes well for this too but anything with scotty the five i'm all in on that give me that 100 times out of 100 and with that, we're going to leave the show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for everyone who sent in questions. Again, the Discord is the place to go if you want to get questions in for our mailbag shows. We'd love to see you drop those questions in there. See you, you know, join our little family in there. we got Fantasy League starting up soon, too, if you want to be in the Fantasy League. Go get on in there. The getting's good. It's going to go quick. The spots are going to fly off the shelf like hotcakes if that's what spots in a fantasy basketball league do. I don't know. Either way, please uh, join the Discord. Link is in the description as always. If it's expired, shoot me a DM. I can get you the link anytime as well. And uh, we will be back again on Wednesday. Still planning the rest of the week as far as guests and whatnot. It's a busy week and all that. And I'm working around the Blue Jays too a little bit. But we'll have more tomorrow for you. Maybe we just got more mailbag questions. Lots of good stuff came in. So uh, either way, go listen to yesterday's Media Day Breakdown. Stay tuned for the rest of the week. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. Please uh, subscribe wherever you get your pods and on YouTube. And uh, you know, hit the subscribe button so you never, never miss an episode. Get those notifications. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.